This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. What's up, WOMED fam? It's your host, Dee. And Jackie here. And we are so excited to bring you this episode with a good friend of mine, Dr. Jessica or Jess Dudley. Jess and I went to nursing school years ago and we have remained great friends. And it has been incredible to see her move throughout her career, being a true trailblazer in her field and so excited to bring this conversation to the WOMED fam. All right, Jackie, it's time for my favorite segment, Nursty Energy. I'm so excited to bring this one back. I think it's really important. We're going to extend it a bit to kind of like we, we've talked about. Uh, we we want to be able to uh, send out love to anyone that is kind of struggling with their career right now or they just need to know someone else is thinking about them. But this week, you had something that you wanted to share. I did. I'm so excited to share my first NDE. As you know, I've been a listener of the podcast for a long time, Listen to a lot of your NDEs. Uh, listeners' NDEs submit theirs. And, you know, I think it's time that I'm excited to share my own. You finally get to share one. You guys, I'm blushing already just even thinking about sharing this. So, you know, as we all have kind of been through the last two years, two years, yes, of this pandemic, like many of you, I have just been struggling with a lot of different, you know, mental health things, some anxiety, depression, stress, Um, you know, you name it, we've kind of all been through the ringer the past two years. And I will never forget the moment of just opening up my phone and seeing Danielle's message to me asking, you know, Jackie, I know this may seem out of the blue, but how do you feel about being co-host of the WellMed? So my NDE this week, this month, this freaking year, because this is like, this is a game changer. Being asked to become um, the co-host of such an established, beautiful podcast with a, a family, a community, you have created such a strong group of healthcare workers. You have inspired so many. And to be asked to go on this with you is just humbling, doesn't even <laughs> start to cover it. So I'm so excited to be part of this family and to do this with you, Dee. And I am trying not to cry and get emotional. Wow. We've been a little emotional the past few days. Yeah. I mean, podcasts are a lot of work. It's stressful. We're both on our periods. Yes. Synced up. Yes. We, Danielle and I are already synced up. So I think that goes to show you that (laughs) maybe this was truly meant to be. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I really am just overwhelmed with emotions with starting this podcast with you. And starting, I mean, of course, again, you have created such a incredible platform and you have given me such an open welcome to take the WOMED in the direction that we see it going in this upcoming year. You've given me some creative freedom. You've given me a voice. You've given me so many incredible opportunities that thinking about the struggles of the past two years and having this opportunity. And opportunity sounds like such like a resume weird word word to use, but we're going with <laughs> I'm it. I'm interviewing you right now. I know. But it really is. It's an opportunity and one that I never, never would have dreamed of. I never could have imagined that we would just be sitting here 
hanging out, doing this damn thing together. So I didn't dream it either. <laughs> so D, thank you for having me, WellMed family. Thank you for welcoming me with open arms. And I am so excited to see where we take this podcast this year. Big things, Jackie. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Jess, thank you so much for joining us on the WOMED today. Jackie has told me so much about you. She loves you. She speaks so highly of you. And I'm like, I need to mate this incredible human. Oh, my God. No, thank you. This is such an incredible honor. I appreciate it. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I have known Jess since nursing school, since years, years ago. We met in nursing school. Yeah. So we have kind of woven in and out of each other's lives for... I mean, when did we graduate? I'm trying to think. I think that was 2016. 2016. So I'm not doing the math. (laughs) Danielle knows I can't do math in my head. But in 2016, we graduated from nursing school. And yes, Jess and I were... I'm so old. You are not that old. We're all in our 30s here. I graduated nursing school in 2007. Okay, you've also been a nurse for a very long time. Oh, no, I hit my elbow. Another elbow bump. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) My office has a lot of dangerous corners. Thanks for bearing with us through our injuries. So, yes, Jess and I went to nursing school. We went to the University of Illinois at Chicago, which was a master's program for nursing. It was a a two-and-a-half-year-long program for people that already had bachelor's degrees in something else. Um, mine was in a science related background, anatomy and physiology, but Jess, I actually don't even know what was your bachelor's degree in <laughs> neuroscience and oh. philosophy. Whoa. You just keep getting cooler. <laughs> what? <laughs> neuroscience and philosophy. Yeah. I was never hip enough to like understand philosophy totally, or maybe I just didn't know that I was having conversations around centered in philosophy. Is that philosophy? I don't know. That's philosophy. So (laughs) did you know when you were majoring in those things that you wanted to go into healthcare, that you wanted to go into nursing? I did. Well, not nursing. So I was originally pre-med and then philosophy actually turned me into nursing. We started, studied a lot about like the human brain and the soul and how do you get in tune with yourself? And it just pushed me more into nursing, the more holistic side of Healthcare, bringing together the whole instead of the sum of the pieces. Philosophy Mm. quote. (laughs) All right, we have our show intro. Yes, that was just beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Can you say that again? And I'm going to write that down and put it on my office wall where I do my work every day. She's going to paint it. Do you have a moment specifically when you knew that you wanted to switch your track from pre med to nursing? I actually was in the college clinic. Um, and I was seeing a nurse practitioner and she didn't have a white coat on. And I remember in one of my philosophy classes, I was reading about the white coat phenomenon, folks with white coats intimidate. And I hadn't noticed that I felt way more comfortable with her and nothing against white coats, but she was just also very much more, I don't know. She was just talking to me. We were having a conversation and that's when I started asking her about her route. Cause I hadn't at that point, didn't even realize that she was a nurse practitioner I thought she was a physician. And that's when, you know, we just stayed in touch. And I started researching post-BSN or BA um, nursing programs, post-BA programs. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm curious, when did you, like, when did the doctorate come into play? Because it's in population health, right? 
So I'm all over the place. So <laughs> I, yeah, I just want to hear your whole, like, this is such a beautiful, like spiderweb pathway. Yeah. So yeah. Start walk, from the beginning. Yeah. Start okay. from the beginning. Let's hear your story real quick. We, I would love to even like go back even a little bit further. Absolutely. Um, like high school, like JK. Um, no. So I went to Lake Forest college, um, got my bachelor of arts in neuroscience and philosophy. During that time, I met a nurse practitioner who made me realize that I did want to go into nursing. Um, but I didn't necessarily want a second bachelor's degree. So I found UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago, got my master's there in nursing. Um, while there, I'm working with one of our lovely professors there in community. And this was at the point where I was deciding whether I wanted to be a nurse practitioner or a population-focused practitioner. So she pushed me into really deciding whether I wanted to be a direct care practitioner or whether I wanted to do systems-focused. And at that point, I didn't feel confident <laughs> as a nurse, but I did realize I felt more attached to just populations and changing systems to affect change in a certain population. Um, so that's where the DNP and advanced population health came from. Um, so I graduated with that. Um, and after, you know, looking into what I was going to do next with my life, I decided that I could still wanted to give direct care, but also be involved in policies and health systems changes. So now I'm back in school for a post-DNP certificate in midwifery so that I can change mortality rates. So this will be grade 25 for you. <laughs> yes, grade 25. <laughs> so you're working currently as an L&D nurse and going to school. I know you're really passionate about talking about black mortality rates in birthing populations. And I feel like that's just, not that it's like just more recently come to light, but I feel like with the Black Lives Matter movements and everything, you know, every discrepancy and disparity and stuff, especially in healthcare too, with COVID following closely behind it, the light's on everything right now, finally, like well, way long overdue. But this is a problem that's been, it's like centuries long problem, basically. For sure. Sorry, and I might get a little bit emotional, but um, my passion for um, Black motherhood, Black birthing populations, Black women, Black folks, it's been forever. <laughs> I just um, see the struggles, and I also know the struggles. And when I learn the numbers, because at some point, you know, I see these things and I hear these things and I know they're happening, but when you quantify it, that's when it's like, wow, what the heck? Um, there was one point in nursing school where the advisor just said to me, you know, you really like black people. Do you know that black women are dying? And, you know, I was still a little bit ignorant at that point. And I said, well, you know, we need to do more education and health. We need to do more upstream counseling. We need to, you know, make access to grocery stores. And then she said to me, no, you, you have a master's degree. You're three times more likely to die after giving birth. So I'm like, at first, I'm like, well, what is she saying to me? Like, That's shocking. So controlling for everything, Black women, Black birthing populations, Black parents are more likely to die or get really sick in their birth period and postpartum. So I am on a very slow unwinding path to try and change that, whether it's very slow changes or massive changes or fast changes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do it somehow. <laughs> Ah, mm. 
the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I remember in nursing school, you know, back in 2006 when I was doing my L&D rotations too, I think that's when it was first said to me that some people don't think black people experience pain the same way. And I was like, how? Like, how is that even like a thing? You're human. You experience pain. Uh, who, who justifies that, that like someone might not have the same pain experience as you do? And, uh, and like it's taught in, in med schools and stuff too. Like there, there are still people, I mean, like it's starting to change finally. I, I mean, like I say that as you know, a white woman and other doctors that I've talked to, they're like, no, I remember that being taught in, in schools too, like before they graduated that like, it was a common thought that black people just don't experience pain the same way or that they like over-exaggerate it. And that makes like, it makes us like vomit rise up in the back of my throat. I'm like, right. And these things that we're talking about are so deeply rooted in racism and our systemic systems that perpetuate racism. And it is extremely prevalent and thriving in the medical community, um, in the systems of which we practice medicine and, you know, Jess, you obviously like you have a doctorate in population health. You are considered an expert on this topic, you know, for the listener out there who maybe is hearing this for the first time and is hearing that, um, black women, regardless of education status, regardless of, um, you know, poverty level, homeless status, whatnot, not that it would ever even be okay but even when we're controlling for these variables that so many people will try to use as a scapegoat or as an outlet to say, oh, but X, Y, Z, even when we control for these variables, black women are three times more likely to die in the birth process. So for maybe the listener that is hearing this for the first time, can you shed some light into what does this mean to you, both as a black woman and as a practitioner? So... I'm trying very hard um, as I go on this path to try to separate the things, but I'm learning that they're not separable. Um, So I am going to answer it together. As a Black woman, I don't even know what it means. It's just, it's scary. Um, And, you know, this is a Black woman who's speaking from a level of privilege that other Black women, Black people, Black folks don't have. Um, So if it's scary for me, can't imagine um, how my sister or how my neighbor or how my grandma or, you know, other folks before me might have felt, um, whether they're in the same position or not as me. So as a provider, healthcare professional, and someone who aims to be an expert in population health, what it means is that I try my best to be very conscious about the care um, that I'm delivering, how I'm speaking to folks, and how how I'm going to help them along the journey. 
And again, that's hard too, because implicit bias plays a role in my um, perception. You know, everyone has implicit biases, black people, white people, Asian people, every person has implicit biases. Um, So, I mean, for a tiny example, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. We have this thing, birthing populations come in and they're, I want to go natural. I want to deliver naturally. So um, no, no medications, no, no Western, Westernized interventions, basically. And that's great. I encourage it. Um, But what I try not to encourage is um, the word natural um, to separate a woman getting an epidural versus a woman not getting epidural, especially because black people are already looked at as um, having a higher level of pain tolerance. And I, I feel that has also been internalized with black folks. So I just try to, you know, help folks understand that you are still strong, even if you do get an epidural and you don't have to bear the weight of you thinking that you're strong, not like strong to the point where you have to bear pain or, you know, if that makes sense. (laughs) It does. It really does. And I treat a lot of black women and stuff from the aesthetic clinic that I work in too. And every one of them is like, no, it's okay. Like I've got a high pain tolerance. And I'm like, but you shouldn't have to, right? I'm like, no, like I still like, I don't want to be like inflicting any more pain than possible on you. So please do let me know if this hurts more at like a certain point, I'll stop. I'll do, I'll, we'll put on whatever music helps make you calm. We'll, I got some stress balls. I got some crystals. I'll do this, you know, or if they're coming out of surgery and they're like, it's okay. I have a high pain tolerance. I feel like that's like you're saying, it's, it's almost internalized to where black folks believe that too. And, and there might be something with like, you know, mind over matter too, but you shouldn't have to bear that. Like if you feel pain, like let your providers know. And your provider also shouldn't be looking at you and being like, they're just being dramatic or is it really that bad? You know, it's pain is, pain is subjective too. Like it could, there could be a lot of underlying trauma aligned with that pain too, you know? You know, you brought up a really good point too, Jess, about the internal biases, that implicit bias is the you know, definition that we see in the healthcare community now kind of being shed more light. And, you know, I I think you made a great point that we all have implicit biases, regardless of the race that we have. And I am hopeful that the medical community, that the medical education system, both in for physicians, for nurses, for, for everyone, we're starting to normalize these terms and normalize the training. And if I remember, this is what your doctoral project was on. It was. So tell us a little <laughs> bit more about your DMP project and how this fits into your story. Absolutely. So my DNP project was implicit bias and it originated from the idea of um, seeing if implicit bias training would would help with the care being provided to Black populations. My DMP project was implemented during COVID. <laughs> that was not where it went. However, the moral and the purpose of it still stands. Um, I implemented my DMP project in a homeless shelter on the south side of Chicago, um, and it was purposed into trying to reduce care avoidance in the residents. Um, so care avoidance is basically folks not getting care or seeking care, whether they have access or not, simply because of trauma or judgment or some outside source that is 
is influencing them or scaring them <laughs> to not get the care. So the implicit bias training was done with the staff in the shelter to see if, you know, we could change the way they thought about the residents in their upbringing to possibly be more inviting for folks to receive care. When I did a assessment of the staff, a lot of them had ideas that, well, I was homeless once. These folks need to just, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and they'll be cool with no, like, you know, inclination of how, like, mental health plays a role, how, you know, some folks just can't do what you do um, and they still need care too. So that's where that was. Um, and the results weren't really done. We didn't get any really. Um, but we are still carrying that out, hoping that we can still pilot that in different areas. Such an incredible idea to bring this to light with bringing your DMP project and addressing implicit bias, because it, it makes me wonder, you know, if if nurses are interested in going back to, and getting their DNP, part of that DNP process is writing your proposal, which has to take a excruciatingly long look at the literature. And I'm curious, you know, in your process of having to write your proposal, what is out there on implicit bias? I would imagine it's probably nowhere near what it should be. You'd be surprised. Um, in the last, my project was, when did I do the lit review 2019 um so in the cu last couple of years there's more evidence or not evidence more literature on implicit bias now um, like you said danielle more folks are being um aware of implicit bias and you know looking into how the th way we think about things affect, affect care um but then there was you know here and there small things about implicit bias but there was not much. There was one main classic study that showed the effects of implicit bias on Black people in general. But um, so that's kind of just where I pulled uh, my ideas from that, that training, because that's actually the only validated training out there right now. So there's not much. There's still more to come. There's so much more to come. <laughs> and that's really, I hate to say like shocking. There just needs to be another word. I'm just intrigued by the fact that there isn't that there weren't more studies up until that point because I feel like you know even like the word you know, implicit bias and internalized bias and those are terms that you know some people are like triggered by now too that they're like what are you talking about like you're trying to make me racist and stuff like that and they're very hot words and stuff you know since within like the last like two three years and you know things like that are they're topics that are trending more on, on social media, you know, but like, I'm hopeful now that like more people are like waking up to that. I'm really glad that we can have conversations around that now and that more people are becoming aware of their own like internalized biases and starting to sit with that and like what makes them uncomfortable about that and how we can make, especially in medicine, just provide better care, better empathy, like a safer healing environment. It makes me wonder too, if you have had thoughts about whether or not implicit bias training should be 
uh, mandatory in medical school, mandatory in nursing, nursing school, school, mandatory, you know, we have to do CEs every year as a nurse. Every year that you have some sort of healthcare license, you are mandated to do continuing education hours. Are these things that we should be, you know, forced to do? Um, they should be in medical and nursing and X, Y, and Z professional educations. Absolutely. The same way we do the sexual um, assault and sexual harassment trainings, we should be doing implicit bias. The unfortunate thing is that right now, since there is so little research on it, not many folks are wanting to, I guess, bring it on, onboard it without the data. The data. However, um, I think it needs to be started, um, whether it's unit-based, whether it's hospital-based, whether it's city-based. I know there are a couple of city, Chicago, city of Chicago organizations that are pulling into implicit bias training. should definitely be in a lot of medical training, for sure. I'll say that especially in the South. <laughs> yes, Danielle is from Nashville for all of those. Jess and I are both from Chicago like originally. And, uh, that is where we are right now. Because, you know, now I'm wondering too, you know, we just with your doctorate in population health and your understanding of these systems and your aspirations to seek true change in the healthcare system, you pivoted, you did decide to kind of go back, take a clinical role as a certified nurse midwife, you are already starting this process. So I would love to know the thought process of you know, you already have your doctorate, which is basically the highest degree you can get as a nurse. What was that thought process for you deciding that, you know what, I need to be a midwife. I need to be right there, hands-on delivering babies. Absolutely. The thought about that. So population health is this, I want to use your term, spider web of things, right? Feelings, healthcare issues, policies, guidelines. It's a, it's a web of things. You know, when I first started my doctorate program in population health, I wanted to affect change. So I wanted to be at the round table making policies that are going to affect care, trickle down effects, right? Um, policies that are going to affect hospitals to change the way they care for providers. But then, you know, in my research, I started seeing Black people make up less than 6% of primary care providers and midwives specifically. And I, I can't imagine that that percentage is any different for physicians. Um, and there's also research that shows Black people get better care when they get care from someone that looks like them. And this shouldn't be, I know sometimes that makes, you know, that make people uncomfortable when I say that, and it shouldn't. <laughs> You know, that's a very human thing. That's a sociological thing. It's a trust issue, though, too. So that was my thought process. If there are no Black people um, in midwifery, or a very limited amount of Black people in midwifery, Black people need Black midwives. I shall probably be a midwife. Um, I was going to be a WHNP anyways, but we need more, more Black folks um, helping folks labor. <laughs> we need... We need to see more Black people. We need more diversification of the education system and um, folks in um, faculty positions and just need more diversification. That was my thought process. <laughs> and you are doing it firsthand. <laughs> oh, I'm trying. It's very, it's 
scary, but. I think one of my favorite things about you, Jess, and as you said, we've been friends for a long time. I always hype this girl up because you absolutely deserve it. But one of my absolute favorite things about you is that you are always dreaming big. You are always shooting high. And so you are already at this incredible amount of success in your career. You have a doctorate. You are about to become a nurse midwife. You've worked as an L&D nurse. What, where do you see your career going? Like, that's a great question because I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I'm in awe. I'm like, I want to talk to you after this about like, you, you've got me like fired up about wanting to go back to school. And like, I'm really curious about this population health, like sort of like policy change. I've always been very interested in, in that. And like, even more so now, like I want to, I want to go to Washington. I want to make some changes happen. <laughs> but yeah, what, what are your dreams? Mm-hmm. What are my dreams? That is a very hard question. Um, eventually. This is going to sound a little off, but it's not. The end, at the very end of my career stage, I'm going to kind of go backwards. I want to open a med spa. And it's not the med spa that we see often um, where, you know, what are the Yoni, Yoni steams? No, oh, you mean, you mean we're not going to like steam our vaginas? Yeah, no. <laughs> With like potpourri and tea bags? I don't even know what this is. Yeah, Yanni is another I'm gonna name Google for your this vagina. Right you all continue. And Gwyneth Paltrow started it. I'm like, I don't want to burn that. The right. steam gets hot. Right. So no, not that type of med spa. But I have a desire to open up, uh, and I'm calling it a med spa, but uh, a clinic for minorities to seek care, whether it's SDI testing, whether it's family planning, whether it's, hey, my skin is this. What type of sunscreen should I use? I don't know. That's my end goal. Um, some A very population focused and like cultural competent med spa, soul spa, wellness spa, where folks can get, you know, comprehensive health care, but also, you know, fuel their soul. Leading up to that, <laughs> that's my end passion. Leading up to that, I do hope to some somehow, some way, whether it's virtually or actually stomping on um, the steps of Washington, um, demanding um, some type of change in the way things are done. And this is not, it should not be state to state. That drives me up the wall. Um, There should be a standardized level of care for every birthing person, every black person, every person. (laughs) There should be standardized way to care. And if that means going to Lori Lightfoot and, Hey girl, what's up? Having a little conversation. Lori is the mayor of Chicago for those who don't <laughs> maybe like, do not Lori? know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Um, yeah. So that's it. I don't know to answer truthfully, but it's a bunch of all of those little things. Um, and figuring out um as I go. What do what do I want to do? I know I want to do this, but how am I gonna do it? So that's yeah. <laughs> we know you're going to change the world. We're just excited to sit back, watch you, and also lift you up and see you do it. Now, you also have started your own business on the side. Somehow, in all of these things... Why, why do nurses just take on everything? <laughs> because I, you We know, must that, do everything. We're like constantly trying to prove ourselves or something. <laughs> and you found your creative outlet. So I want to hear a little bit more about that. 
the soul experiment. Yeah. So the soul experiment is my baby. Um, and it's taken off a little slower than I expected, but, um, that's a part of being an experiment of the soul. I'm leaning into what, um, my body and what my life is asking of me. So the soul experiment started with all of these thoughts that I've been having about social justice and how my thoughts don't align with some of my family members. That's where all birth. So who am I? If I come from you and we think different, why am I different? And what does that mean for me and you? And um, so the Soul Experiment is a blog slash custom pin site, um, eventually podcast, where we are having conversations, basically. It's, it's literally just meant to bring up hard conversations that folks don't want to have and we do it in the most respectful manner and we listen to each other the motto is learning glowing and growing together and that's literally what I want to do I want to learn about thoughts I want to learn what you think what I want you to learn what I think I want to come together and glow and grow and even if we don't agree we we can't not agree on racism if we don't agree baby girl keep it moving but (laughs) Um, On other things, if we can't agree on certain things, um, how can we, you know, still coexist? Um, So that's the soul experiment. It's a lifestyle blog on just us being who we are in this world. And I know that sounds very squishy, but we all live together. We coexist. If we were to get down to just the basics, like we are all humans with two legs or no legs or we're humans on this earth together we are all souls existing period and we're experiments we don't know i love that we are experiments there's that philosophy major coming in that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) that's incredible um i'm so i love this idea that you have for this med spot jackie had mentioned earlier that you were wanting to create like a birthing center too is that like included with the med spot or so (laughs) (laughs) that's another one of my huge dreams eventually um is to be a part of the I guess establishing a birthing center a black birthing center one of the folks that I really really look up to she is currently in the process of putting together a birthing center on the south side Carrie Stewart, and she is the owner of Melanated Midwives. I hope she don't mind me calling her out, girl, I love you. She's amazing. Um, She created Melanated Midwives. They provide scholarships and all of these opportunities for BIPOC folks to enter into midwifery. Hello, diversification of the workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, She is also a driver in creating a birthing center on the south side of Chicago for Black folks. Um, One of our hospitals over on the south side I think closed. Um, if not already, like it's closing. If not, Mercy, are you talking about? Yes. It was. Um, I do believe that they were going to close. I think someone may have bought them out last minute, but from what I know, they they were closing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she came trailblazing through. Like we need this for our folks because there is so limited access on the south side. So to be a part of something like that with her or without, you know, I. That's one of my dreams. How can we tra- how can we be trailblazers? How yes. can we do this? Yes. Oh my that would be so cool. <laughs> I love the uh, melanated midwives. 
That sounds like another person we need to have on the podcast too. Absolutely. Be awesome. We will definitely link Melanated Midwives in the show notes because they really are an incredible organization that just has shown me and we, I, I've been watching their work over the last few years and they have been able to put a few black people through midwifery education. And it's That's really so an cool. incredible organization that is just doing just groundbreaking work, truly. A hundred percent. I also, I want to circle back to some of that too, though, but like young girls and stuff growing up when they're thinking about who, like what they want to be when they grow up too, need to see people that look like them as well. So we really need to be encouraging and lifting up more melanated voices in healthcare and like showing that like, and, and diversifying that more so that the next population of people going into medicine, like it starts to create a bigger wave of change so that you can, you have more providers that look like you, you have more safety when like you go and you find a provider, like you feel like they're going to listen to you. They're going to hear you. They can relate to you. That's what the WOMED is, man. I want everyone to see some version of themselves when they come to this podcast, when they sit down and they want to listen to an episode or they're curious about what field they want to get into, I want, I want everyone to see themselves in something so that they know, they know it's achievable, right? They already saw someone do it. They know it's achievable. Not everybody is a super, you know, trailblazer can be the first one to do something. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a baby. Like I get scared. I don't like to be, <laughs> I would not consider myself a leader or a trailblazer by any means. I would beg um, to disagree, but okay. well, you're very kind, but it's just so important. That's like the basis of the WOMED. And there's so many things that weave into that too. Like you were saying with um, the med spa and having, you know, the aesthetic world is kind of fucked up. I mean, the idealized standards of beauty are all white faces, but then we add in things that are more characteristic of, you know, of, of black bodies. You know, we add in like, you know, thicker lips we add in like or like more defined like cheekbones from like it's it's just this huge like culture mixing but then like white people are taking it on as like their own like we're just we just it's almost it. like aesthetically appropriating mm. yeah mm. if that's a term that we can uh coin I don't yeah. know if that's if anyone's heard of that I've never really thought about know. it like that to be quite honest I yeah. would love to Jess have you heard that or like what are your thoughts on that I have actually. I don't know. I mean, it's true, you know, and I don't. I don't want to make anyone upset, but it's just kind of like everyone wants to look like us. Whatever wants to be us, um, yeah. no one wants to bear what we go through. Um, I had a friend who black people we do baby hairs, okay? So like we got edges, and our edges are curly. We slick them down with edge mm -hmm. control. I had a friend who was slicking her edges, and you know, I have no problem with that slick your edges girl but i just want you to know where you slicking your edges come from mm -hmm. where those bamboo earrings come from um yeah so a hundred percent i you know i a hundred percent agree that but then we also don't make enough like sunblock products or like spf that melanated faces can wear without mm -hmm. having a white fucking cast on their face. Right. Yeah, I know a huge and problem we've so seen in the too. clinic as well as uh, a good example is birth control patches. 
come in one color of skin. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Right. And so typically when people want to come in for birth control, if they want a patch, the idea is that you have the patch to kind of hide it from people. So yeah. people don't see it. That's the point. So if it only comes in one color, well, what are you going to do? Right. So maybe we'll put that on the shelves at your new med spa. Period. Period. Yes. <laughs> Even like like nude when you have to wear like nude colored underwear. Like they're finally, oh my God, one of the most beautiful things. I'm totally going off on a tangent here. I'm sorry. Was like point shoes. They finally made fucking point shoes. They're so pretty in different tones. I mean, uh, I love ballet, though. That's my own little tangent. There's, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting so off track here. <laughs> From dancing to... <laughs> <laughs> Dancing to aesthetics to midwifery. Yes. This is the WOMED where we have it all. Period. <laughs> I know we kind of talked about like what your like dreams, big goals and stuff are. I guess what's coming up next for you like in the future that like you really want to like focus on or like what do you have any like big projects or, you know, something you want to promote right now? Yeah. So the Soul Experiment podcast, um, I launched it when I launched my blog a while back in school and everything just, again, we're soul experiments. So I leaned into what my body needed. I just didn't have enough time in a day to do everything. So it kind of took a back shelf, but it's coming back. Um, I don't know when yet, but very soon. So the Soul Experiment podcast it should be available on every streaming platform. So I love that. I love that. I love podcasting. It's so much fun. I love other women podcasting. This all does really take a lot of effort behind the scenes, truly. So many things are happening that, um, you know, and it's hard. We, nurses especially, truly, we take on so many things. We just, I don't know if it's that we don't know how to say no, or we truly need that creative outlet, what the issue is, but we all have this tendency to just want to do so many different things. I think a bit of us are like codependent fixers. You we're said people, it, not me. <laughs> we're people-pleasing fixers. That's why we get into problematic relationships. Sorry, that's just me. Okay. All right. All right I'm cutting Danielle off of the tangents today. She's anyway, I'm really excited about your podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm excited to listen to it. I love the idea of that. And it's not squishy. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's something I think people really forget. They forget the humanity component not just of healthcare, of life in general. You know, they forget their neighbor. They forget to think outside themselves. And I think we've seen that a lot with COVID. And also with COVID, Black people died at a much more alarming rate. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that there's been more hesitancy like around the vaccine too as well um, with the Black population. But I mean, we honestly, like I can't blame y'all. I mean, our our history is just littered with atrocities done, experiments done. So like, what do you think is like the best way to like approach people who might be vaccine hesitant or like are scared of like seeking healthcare and stuff for for that? The best way. I don't know the best way. I don't think anyone knows the best way. I don't even think 
folks who are hesitant know the best way they, you know, want to be approached, but just transparency, honesty, have some empathy, some sympathy for who you're talking to. Present it as a choice. And that <laughs> I took a deep breath because this is one of the things I struggle with because I feel like it is so needed. Um, I don't want to present it as a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and this is me just speaking honestly. I was watching one episode, kind of small tangent, uh, a long, a week ago or something where they were talking about folks being bullied into getting the vaccine. And in my head, I'm like, but are folks bullying people to get the vaccine? Like, am I giving you a wedgie to get, for you to get a vaccine? I don't know Are what we you're giving you squirrelies about. in the bathroom toilets to give you vaccines? Like what? And, you know, but the best way is to prevent, present it as a choice. You know, ultimately, this is a choice, I guess. And this is, this is how it was developed. This is, these are the facts. Um, and then ask the question, what, what makes you hesitant? How, what is it? You know, because there could be a bunch of different things why folks are hesitant. We don't know. You know, so why are you hesitant? And leave it at that. If, you know, they say, well, I don't really want to talk about it, but I know I don't want it because of this. Okay, cool. Let me know when, you know, you have additional questions or how -hmm. I can help with that. I think this wraps around really beautifully to where we started the conversation, where you, you know, telling us and sharing that a huge motivation of why you want to become a midwife and impact healthcare is because you are a black woman. And I think part of that answer is that, it comes from the black community and it comes from healthcare professionals like you talking to people that look like you and people that are, are trusting of you as their doctor, as their nurse practitioner, as their provider, right? It, we can have so many of these conversations, but at the end of it, we need more black healthcare providers. For sure. Right. Leading these conversations. And, um, and it really just wraps beautifully to you. Uh, Jess, where can, where can people find you if they want to connect with you, um, keep up with you? Keep up with me on Instagram, uh, Jess, J-E-S-S underscore underscore, because B-E-E-C-A-U-S-E. Find cat content. You can find healthcare content. I, I think you can literally find everything on my Instagram. Um, and also on my blog, the soul experiment dot blog. And then, uh, eventually my podcast anywhere podcast just streaming <laughs> amazing Jess thank you so much for coming on the WOMED um, we're excited to keep up with your journey and oh, thank you anytime you have anything coming up or you want to if you're just like fuck it I need to get on the mic and like talk through this with Dean and Jackie like you have a welcome space in here anytime thank you so much I definitely appreciate y'all Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the WOMED. I know our listeners will be so, so happy to hear this conversation and truly impacted. So thank you. I love Jess. How can you not? She's phenomenal. She is just like definition of a badass. I can't wait to talk to her more. I'm already thinking like we need to have her back. For sure. I feel like this conversation (laughs) just kind of just we touched the, the tip of the iceberg here. We did. We did. So I'm excited. And, you know, just know she has a open seat on here anytime she wants. Uh, but in case you missed it, uh, you can find Jess on Instagram at Jess. That's two S's, two underscores, B cause. That's J E S S 
underscore underscore B E E C A U S E. You can also find her blog, pins, and her future podcast, The Soul Experiment. Very excited for that one at the soulexperiment.blog. And we hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Dee and I truly are still talking about the things that we touched on with Jess. And if you loved it as much as we did, please rate, review, subscribe, all the things. It helps so much. It's annoying. I know, but it really does help. And submit your NDEs. We want to hear from you. We want to hear the positive things going on. Um, We know this is a tough time right now. And so if you need a shout out, if you need some extra love, submit your NDEs. And we are so happy to share your stories, send you some uplifting words, little pep talk. Yes. You can get the Jackie and Dee special pep talk. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) All right, y'all. On that note, We love you. We'll see you next week. WOMED out.